Welcome to HQAF Radio. I'm Alana. And this is a show about two best friends. Welcome back, everybody, to Politics with Patrick, part four, the election 2020 finale. Uh, Here I have my brother Patrick, and I just thought it appropriate to kind of do some reflection now that it's almost a month out since the election, um, and it's been, I guess, just, you know, a couple weeks, certain uh, events have, have played out. Well, the election certainly has wrapped up that... That was the longest week of my life, or four days, I think it ended up being, before they called it, uh, the Associated Press called it. But um, yeah, those felt like the longest four days of my life, and I'm sure a lot of people felt the same way. It was very scary, but um, Patrick was reassuring me the entire time that things would be okay, and he was right. And I do feel like when you kind of reflect back or if you listen to these episodes back to back, Patrick was pretty much on the money. I mean, would you say, Patrick, um, with as far as your predictions versus what happened on election night slash the couple days after? Um, as far as calling states, I got all of them right, except for Florida, North Carolina, and Maine's 2nd District. Um, as far as margins go, they were way off. This was a pretty bad year for polling. It was... There's a polling error roughly similar to 2016. Oh, yeah. Um, but Biden's lead was so robust that it didn't end up mattering. Right, yeah, which is incredible. And I'm so thankful, grateful that it all worked out that way. But, yeah, it ended up being very close. I think that was surprising for a lot of people and, and why a lot of people um, were also well, traumatized. I mean, it was closer than what the polls indicated, but... Oh, um, it wasn't that far off? Because I thought we were looking at a landslide. No, I mean, it was off, like, as far as the what the polls said. But if you actually look at the results, it's um, one of these... It's it's the strongest defeat for an incumbent, popular vote-wise, since uh, FDR in 1932 defeated Herbert Hoover. Wow. Um, Biden was the first challenger ever to get 51% of the vote since 1932. Yeah. Even Ronald Reagan's landslide in 1980 only got 50.8% of the popular vote. Actually, let's start off before we go into, you know, what you got right or how things really went. Um, Let's talk about records that were, like, the historical takeaways from this election. Um, There was a lot of trends that got broken. Uh, Iowa, Ohio, and Florida all lost their streaks of picking the winning president. So they're not really bellwethers anymore now i think ohio and iowa are definitely like right-leaning states unless this is just a trump specific phenomenon because those are states that you know obama won easily twice but then trump won twice Mm. but um one wonders if they're really still bellwethers or if they're actually just republican-leaning states florida definitely seems like it's more right-leaning yeah um they won the republicans won the governorship in the senate race there in 2018 during the democratic wave which is probably the warning signs that there was a rightward shift in that state, and then it just got worse this year with the abysmal performance uh, Biden had with the Latinos there, yeah. particularly in Miami-Dade. So Florida, it's voted for the loser for the first time since uh, 1992 when voted for Bush when Clinton won. Ohio voted for the loser for the first time since 1960 when they voted for Nixon when Kennedy won. Um, in Iowa, I'm not sure when the last time was they voted for the loser. Um... I'm not sure if it was like 2000 or if it was earlier than that. Um, 
but they've, they've also had a streak of, of flipping to whoever the winner is. Um, a lot of swing counties had their records broken, like Valencia County, New Mexico, the longest streak ever. Since 1956, they voted for the winning candidate, and they lost that record this year. Or sorry, 1952. And then Vigo County had the record since 1956, and they lost it. And Georgia and uh, Arizona went blue. Georgia and Arizona went blue for the first time since uh, 1992 and 96, respectively. Wow. And also, uh, highest voter turnout. Highest voter turnout in 120 years. Oh my god. It's going to be something like 67 or 68% turnout. Yeah. And how many votes, it, it, number-wise, um, for We're Joe looking Biden? at... Uh, Biden, I think, is over 80 million at this point. Whoa. That's and like... 51%. And r- with respect to Hillary Clinton, Obama... Hillary Clinton only got 65 million, so he got 15 million more votes in four years. And what about Obama? Obama, he actually had the world record... Not the world record, the, the historical record in 2008 of getting 69 million. And Biden got 11 million more than that. Wow. And that was historical turnout, because that was like 56 or 57% turnout, and then... They blew that out of the water with the turnout this year. Yeah. Incredible. So it's kind of amazing that during a pandemic, we have the highest turnout in more than a century. Well, and part of that was such a big emphasis on mail-in ballots, right? Yeah. So it's almost like some of the things we got out of this are things that should be permanent because it gets more people to participate. Well, when you say permanent, what do you mean? Because mail-in ballots... I think mail-in ballots and early voting for like weeks ahead of the election, I think those are all things that people... Yeah. Like... You know, because for so long, most states just had, you know, you vote in person on election day or you have to vote absentee by filling out a bunch of things saying you are sick or you can't do it or whatever. So you have to go through a bunch of red tape in order to be able to vote absentee and it's only for a couple weeks. Mm, yeah, that's On true. specific days. specific. But now it's like there was so much flexibility that we got so many people to participate that I think these are things that should be staying even if there isn't a pandemic. Uh, I think so, too. I've been voting absentee since 2016, actually. I think it's really unreasonable to expect, like, 75% of all the voters to show up on one day on a weekday. Yeah. You know, within only a few-hour window when there's going to be long-ass lines. I mean, I think think this election has taught us, you know, that when you make it easier to vote, more people participate. Although I'm sure Republicans will say they're all fake, fraudulent votes, but um, reality is... uh, the head of election security at DHS said it was the most secure election in U.S. history. And that's a Trump appointee, so I don't know what to tell you about that. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. And let's let's talk about that a little bit. So Trump tried everything humanly possible to disenfranchise, to discourage people from voting, from voting by mail. The only accurate way of making sure was to vote uh, in person. But then he was also telling certain states to... I'll vote by mail. I don't know. Yeah, frankly, you know, he might have, like, screwed himself over by doing that because he might have disenfranchised some of his own supporters by telling them not to vote by mail. Because he might have gotten more participation from people who couldn't show up on election day, but they're like, no, I can't do that because the system is rigged, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We believe all his conspiracy theories, so now he ends up getting less participation. Whereas Biden, he was able to bank in all his voters early. You know, there was something like more than 107% of 2016 total turnout in Texas voted early. Wow. So more than all the votes they cast in 2016 just voted in early alone, and then they had millions more show up on election day. That's so a- Texas, like, blew all the records. I don't know what, what turnout they had this year, but it was, it was astronomical. Damn. But Biden still couldn't get it, huh? 
Uh, no, was Texas it close? Is still a pretty. Re- it, um, no. It was closer than it was in recent history, but it was still was not what I would call close. It was like a six or seven point win for Trump. Oh, okay, yeah. That's but it was still one. better. He got a better share of the vote, I think, than anyone since, uh, probably Clinton or something like that. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, Texas has not gone blue since 1976. Yeah, and. Uh... Yeah, Trump really tried to pull out all the all the stops, man, right? He did Well, yeah, the... he went and, you know, had Louis DeJoy try to mess with the post office. So they couldn't deliver the mail-in ballots. Um, he did a bunch of lawsuits to try to make sure they couldn't count votes that came in later after Election Day, even though it didn't matter because they segregated those ballots anyway, and Biden still won without them. And even if they did count them, then Biden would win by more. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, he declared himself a winner when he wasn't. Yeah, and I think everyone kind of expected that. Right, that's um, true. And you did predict that in the last episode, so no one's surprised. But the thing is, you know, uh, the system's been working, you know, contrary to what everyone thought, where it would go to the Supreme Court and then the Supreme Court just throw the election to Trump when he clearly lost. You know, it's just bullshit. Like, it doesn't, like, people sort of assume that, like, liberal versus conservative justice means they're, like, Republican or Democratic, that's not really how it works. They have their liberal or conservative judicial philosophies, not liberal or conservative political, you know, partisanship philosophy. So the Supreme Court has not exactly been handing Trump resounding victories on his bullshit litigation. They've had no problem uh, ruling against him over the last four years, even as he's appointed his own appointees. Right. Well, it's not the whole point of having <clears throat> and the a thing Supreme is, you know, Justice. Yeah, and the thing yeah. is, you know, they have life tenure, so they don't have to care about getting reelected or reappointed. So once they're appointed, they owe Trump nothing because they have their jobs for life and they don't have to give a shit what they promised him or what he requested of them when they appointed him if they did that. Well, and aren't they supposed to be kind of above the the politics? They're just supposed to rule. Well, I mean, supposed the... to be, but everyone's gonna say, "Well, they're actually blah blah blah." They're just you know they're they're partisans. They're gonna do. They're gonna rule for the home team or whatever. But like, they're not. You know, this is not two thousand where it comes down to one state and it's five hundred votes. Okay, like basically, if you want to be really really uh, cynical about it, I'd say if it's a tie, then yeah, they'll vote for the home team. If it's not a tie like this one where. Trump is losing in, like, six swing states by, like, 400,000-plus votes. You know, I'm not seeing him <laughs> saying, we're going to throw out all those states in particular just yeah. to go to Trump. I mean, that doesn't make that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, and that's really, I mean, what it came down to. And so to... far, all the lower courts that have ruled in these election lawsuits he's had have all ruled against him except for two, and they didn't really change anything anyway. They just are, you know, procedural at best. Right. Because what really, what it really came down to was like four or five states. I mean, it, was, it wasn't one state. Which, what were the four or five mm. that it came down to, Patrick, that really solidified the I win? mean, the closest ones that were flips from 2016 were <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. He also yeah. flipped Nebraska's second district, but that wasn't close. It was like a six or seven point win for Biden. It was a pretty yeah. big flip. Yeah. And in fact, with with Nebraska second and Arizona, Biden didn't even need uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, or Pennsylvania. He could have won without with just with just Arizona and Nebraska second. Yeah. Um, also, didn't Biden win by the same? Or maybe uh, maybe it's also Wisconsin. I, I'd have to look at the map again. I don't remember. But we were already looking at like they weren't even done with. Or was it? 
Wisconsin and Michigan. Like, there was a one point where he was still behind Pennsylvania, but he was heading Wisconsin Michigan. They're like, he already has 270 exactly right now. He doesn't need Georgia or Pennsylvania. Yeah. And didn't he end up beating Trump with the same... Uh, he got the exact same yeah. electoral college amount that Trump did before the electoral college voted because he had some uh, uh, faithless electors. But on election night, um, Biden, or not Biden, Trump beat Hillary through... 306 to 232, and he called it a landslide of historic proportions, even though it was three states that he won by less than 70,000 votes. Four years later, Biden gets the exact same margin, except by like 400 or 500,000 votes, and, you know, he's calling it rigged or it's close or whatever. Wow. All right, Patrick. So now that everything is said and done... We're here. It's late November. Um, December is is next week. That's the time that we're recording this. So crazy things could happen, but I suspect not. I think everything is sort of settled and situated as it should be. Uh, yeah. What what's sort of the the look? Aren't they the official? When someone becomes a president is when the Electoral College votes, formally, right? And that, I believe, is in December? December 14th, yeah. December 14th. So, what's uh, the likelihood that things are not going to go um, our way? Because isn't Trump, I mean, there like... there might be a couple of faithless electors like before, but, you know, most states have laws that punish people for not voting uh, as their state requires them to. And Trump would need to somehow convince 37 of them to come over to him. While also retaining all of his to flip the result. And I just don't see that happening. He can't just pay them off? I guess he just I mean, he money. could try, but the thing is, like, the the party of the candidate that won the state picks the electors themselves. So they only pick party loyalists. Oh. So that way they, they are very unlikely to vote against their desire. And usually faithless electors don't... When there's someone's a faithless elector, they don't usually vote for the person that lost. They usually vote for some person who didn't even run. Oh. As, like, a protest vote. So, like, yeah. last year, I think, had the... Or last cycle had the most, like, faithless electors, like, nine of them or something like that. So, both Hillary and Trump lost some electors because they went to people like Colin Powell, Ron Paul, Faith Spotted Eagle, um, and, uh... I think Bernie Sanders got one or something. I don't know. There there was a bunch of, like, people that weren't even in the running that they voted yeah. for. So they didn't... They, nobody... No Clinton electors went to Trump and no Trump electors went to Clinton, is what I'm saying. Because that's Trump's now... Now that's his stance of how he's gonna... Because cur- currently, as I mean, a, that's really his only way of flipping the result is somehow getting the Electoral College to change the outcome. And but he just, can't do that, right? Even in all his cheating... He can try, his, but, you know, once again, I don't think it's gonna work. Yeah. What would he even do? Like, what's trying in that um, situation? How do you I mean, try to... I mean, you know, I, he would have to bribe enough people to go and... And I just don't see that because the people he had to bribe would all be diehard Democrats. So I don't... Yeah. See them... Uh, a, I don't think he has enough money... It's to, true. ...to give meaningful bribes. And B, um, I don't think they would be caught dead doing something like that anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. that, you gotta figure if they did do that, there'd be massive, like, open investigations into why they changed their votes, and mm. the, immediately they'd be suspected of being bribed, and, um, then again, I guess if it's Trump, he might pardon all of them, I don't know. 
Uh, wow, but, we're really. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's not. That reality is quite a stretch, it, right? It, it really is. I know everyone's gonna say, "Oh, blah blah,", blah. but I mean, Biden won. Just get over it. Like, you know, yeah. the one thing that lefties and Trumpers all agree on is that somehow Biden winning wasn't actually winning. But I'm sorry, he did. Like, yeah, you know, Democrats lost seats in the House. Uh, and they might not win the Senate, depending on how Georgia goes, but um, Biden still was the first person to defeat an incumbent in 28 years, and he won by a margin larger than any other challenger since 1932. So I don't know how to tell you. You know, I think the clear answer out of the election is by electing Republicans in Congress and Biden in the White House, people are sort of sick of the super far right and the super far left, and they just want people to compromise and get technocratic you know, agendas accomplished. They 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 really are done with the hyper rhetoric. They really just want to get coronavirus under control and get the economy running again. But they don't want to do it with some demagogues or you know ideologues. Yeah. To get there, they they really just want practical compromise solutions. And I think that's what the biggest takeaway is from the election. Yeah, for sure. And therefore, can we firmly uh, on the air, on the record, get you saying they're truly, as much as Trump wants to believe and writes in his dream journal about it, there's just no way that he is um, going to be president. It's, it's infinitesimal. I mean, it's still more than zero, but it's it's so small. I'm not sure how many decimal points or how many zeros behind the decimal point the one is. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I guess... My my next question to you is, what's next? Do you think that he will actually concede recently? I think just this week. No, nah, said... I don't think he'll concede. I think he'll he'll. I think he will definitely leave on January twentieth. But I think he will just sort of keep claiming that it's rigged or that it was stolen from him the entire time. Oh, so you don't think that they'll? Because I was going to ask, do you think that they're going to pull him out in handcuffs? Because remember, he said, "I won't leave." They'd have to. Um, drag I'd him love to see that happen, but I don't see that happening. I think he will just he will just leave. And hope to God he doesn't get indicted the second he's out of office. Yeah. How soon do you think the lawsuits are coming? I don't know. I don't know if they're going to wait because they don't want to look like it's Biden doing this. But, you know, then it gets longer they wait. It's separate entities that would be. Yeah, but they'll say, well, because now it's under the Biden administration, it's Biden doing it, you know. But but the thing is, the longer they wait, the more he is a a flight risk. So I don't know. I think they really need to get him and take away his passport the second he's out of office. Uh, yeah. Because he will just go and solve the secrets to the Russians that he <gasps> has obtained uh, working uh, as president, I'm positive. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you. You know, I, I'm pretty sure he's probably taking classified information and <laughs> just right supporting now? it. Uh, and treading and... Well, yeah, he's the head of the executive branch. He gets access to all classified information. He probably, <gasps> you know, might be... Or not probably. But, you know, there's a. I think there's a good chance that he's collecting classified information to then sell to the Russians pay off his massive debts, which are coming due in two years. Yeah. He's some $400 million in the hole, I think, and he has to pay it back to uh, creditors like Deutsche Bank in two years. Yeah. Man. And uh, so what do you think is next for former President Trump? Um, I think he would like to run again in 2024, and he's clearly the front runner easily. And I don't really? think... Really? Yeah. I don't think he would have a challenge winning the nomination again. Why? Because all the Republicans are spineless and they've been kissing his ass for four years and not about to challenge him when he has such a large movement behind him. 
He's went and completely cucked the Republican Party and taken it over. There, so there's no, no there's no one who can stand against him. He's he's too powerful. Really? They really just have to hope that he fucking dies if they don't want to become a nominee <laughs> again. Wait, so... so and depending on what the state of the country is and who's the nominee in 2024, he might even win again in 2024. We don't know. Really? Wait, but I really was of the belief that Trumpers and Republicans were very much two different entities. And it was just sort of unfortunate. I, at least, if I was a uh, registered Republican, would like to not be associated with Trump. And it is sort of a a crazy, very right-wing, very extreme view of Republican views and values. But um, I guess what you're saying is 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 Trumpism or, or being a Trumper being a Republican now? Like, truly? Uh, I yeah, don't... I think anytime you don't support Trump, you're called a rhino and then you're uh, ostracized from the rest of the party. But I thought they were all just saying that because he was the guy in charge and now that he's gone, everyone can return to normal. Yeah, but he still has all the supporters. The thing is that Trump brought out so many non-participating white voters that made them flip states like Iowa and Ohio. That they well, couldn't do when Obama was president. Jesus. Well, that's... I mean, I guess, yeah, This even this election cycle like He's showed. so strong with non-college white voters that he made it so that waiting by education was a thing. Because before that, education was not a determining factor in, part, yeah. in party identification. But now it is. Where if you're more college educated, you're Democrat. If you're more... Well, if you're not college educated, you're more Republican. Yeah. And that's that wasn't okay. a thing before. It used to be just, you know, that that was not a predictive factor in party affiliation, but now it is because of Trump. Yeah, I guess you're right. And I mean, even this election showed that by how close it was, that he really is a, a force to be reckoned with, right? It, it wasn't like, oh man, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, he's the only, you know, although they're going to point to the fact that Trump got more non-white vote for Republican, I think, since 19... Uh, 60 something mm. 68 maybe i don't know he yeah. had a very large amount of non-white i mean it's not when you say large i mean larger than before but then still what? like single digits for a lot of these yeah 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 like you know we got he got his black support up to like nine percent or something like that but it's like yeah. you know um and obviously latinos are the big area that he had big growth with because he kept railing about socialism even though biden was the only <laughs> person who beat the socialists in the primary but whatever yeah well, so I guess then, um, how, you know, let's, let's transition to final thoughts and final takeaways. How do you feel about the election? How do you feel about the future? Do you feel like Biden's going to fix everything? Or is there just a lot more work to be done? Obviously, it's not going to be overnight. Coronavirus is very rampant in our country right now it's worse than it's ever been so it's not going to be an overnight fix but do you think there's i guess hope now at the end of the day with biden um coming into office in january 2021 um yeah if he didn't there'd be very little hope yeah <laughs> the coronavirus would just keep getting worse uh trump would be more encouraged to break more laws and see would no longer have to care about re-election yeah. And God knows what else he tried to do when his debt collectors came after him. Yeah. I mean, I'm feeling very hopeful. I have been able to sleep for the first time, like, I mean, comfortably. I'm looking forward to him firing everybody that Trump appointed. Oh, you know, Biden? In the executive branch, yeah. Because, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, if he doesn't win the Senate, then there's very little he can do legislatively. But there's a lot he can do with executive orders and, and firing people. 
and just yeah. getting rid of all those people that got their jobs because they donated money to Trump. He just yeah. gets rid of all of them. I thought that's part of when you when a new admis- administration comes in, you just fire everyone. <laughs> no? Is that not how it usually works? Usually there's like a transition. and you oh. know, But, you know, if it's a rubber consent, they might block his appointees. But I'm just saying you just fire everybody, have acting appointees in the time being. Yeah. that's what Trump did. He'd have sort of illegal acting appointees or acting, you know, uh... Uh, directors or whatever for all these different administrations because he couldn't get his appointees approved. Yeah. So, yeah, Biden can just fire all of them and have whoever their deputies are take over and be acting until the Senate gets their act together. And I guess in a, when you think about it from a, a big picture point of view, are you more hopeful about this country or more fearful? Because I think that Trump did ignite um a rather scary side of the u.s but but perhaps that was always there and now they just feel more comfortable coming out but then that's also i think has some downsides i mean it's a mixed bag but you've got that many people to vote for him and the fact that uh 70 of republicans think the election was fraudulent um that is a little despite not a shred of it evidence at all yeah uh, is extremely alarming but at the end of the day trump did lose so yeah how know. do we come back from this? Is it bipartisanship? Is it uh, just kicking Trump out and hopefully he goes to jail? I mean, how do we recover as a know. nation? To be, I think we just it. Much of what Trump is is a failure of the education system to teach people how to think critically and be skeptical. Yeah. Of, of evidenceless information. Yeah. I think deductive reasoning is for sure yeah, I mean, lacking Everybody in this should take everything with a grain of salt until they've thoroughly examined the evidence and yeah. made a rational decision for themselves. But this whole thing where, you know, you're only skeptical with what the government says is true and then you go and you follow some anonymous poster on the internet who has no evidence at all and you treat it like it's the word of God. You know, you're not exactly <laughs> being a rational skeptic. You're just being a religious fanatic of a different kind. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I certainly feel like I'm more hopeful with Biden coming in in January 2021, but I do think the damage is there, and it's going to take a while to repair what's been done. Uh, I don't know. It was just bad. It's not a good look. It's not great. But at least it's a step in the right direction. I guess I guess those are my final thoughts, actually. Did you have any other final thoughts that you wanted to touch on, Patrick? Um... It can't get any worse than it has under Trump. Right. It can only get better, It can, it right? can literally only get better with Biden as president. Right. So. And uh, that's what we're, you know, going to end this episode on, folks. It, it can only get better. And, uh, yeah, tune into the inauguration because I'm sure it's going to be a hoot. So thanks so much for tuning in to the four-part series of Politics with Patrick. I can't wait to see what 2021 brings though i'm uh hopeful and comforted by the fact that with the biden administration hopefully i won't have to be terrified every day of what my government might do next so yeah i think i think it'll all be good now that's the end of our show this is your host, Alana Rippey. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at huaf.productions. We post every other week, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And until next time, the best ship to sail on is friendship. Friendship.